It is the Anfield Rap. It's Neil Atkinson with Lizzie Doyle, Stu Wright and Mike Kearney. We're going to talk about Sunday, obviously, against Tottenham Hotspur, the referee, the VAR, the shape of the game, all of that to come. Plus, we're going to talk and look ahead to the game against Leicester. Not least because I very much do expect it to go ahead. We'll have a brief chat about that, but we're going to keep this relatively low maintenance on the COVID, other than where uh, it obviously impacts upon Liverpool's decision-making processes. Um, it is a very difficult game to talk about without talking about the referee and the video assistant referee, so we'll get it out the way early. Stu Wright, there's three decisions that dominate the shape of the game. Um, two of them much more, so I would say. Uh, Kane and the penalty not given on Diogo Jota. Separately is the Robertson red card. It is worth remembering it's 2-2 at that point, and I think Liverpool do look a little bit tired. I'm not going to say for a second that that stopped Liverpool from winning the game, uh, but they were obviously made it harder. But those decisions do interconnect. The referee is dreadful. In hindsight, the video assistant referee is probably worse. It's so frustrating to be talking about it. I hate, I hate the fact that we're having to talk about it, but we've got to. We've got to. I mean, we're talking about an elite sport that we absolutely love. It means so much to everyone. It's, it's filled with elite athletes at the top of the game. It's got a global audience of millions around the world. And we've got fellas, you know, who are approaching middle age with who are not elite, who are in control of, of proceedings, you know, and it's, um, they can get away with it because they're a closed shop. I mean, I've had a good think about this over the weekend. We've seen we've seen a, a number of, of poor refereeing performances, not least last week against against Villa. Um, we've seen what's happened with with Newcastle and Man City as well. Um, you know, it's not just Liverpool, and you know, I just don't think that the PGM OL is is fit for purpose in the modern in the modern game. It just doesn't. It just doesn't meet the requirements. It's not an elite performing uh, organisation. It's not held to account. I don't understand how in this day and age, when you consider the market forces involved around the Premier League, when you consider what a what a, a, a capitalist venture it is, you know, there's you've got an, an independent organisation here. <clears throat> I say independent, they're funded by the Premier League and, and by the FA. Who and the Premier League and the FA have no alternative service provider. There is no competition. So the PGML know that it's a closed shop. They they should be a completely independent body, even in the existence of of individual matches, they should be independent, but they're not. They don't have loyalty, you know, openly anyway, to any particular team. But they do have a loyalty. They have skin in the game, and that is to each other. You know, we see we've seen things like Carragher go down to the PGMOL and, and you know, you look at their training sessions and it's, you know, it looks very organised and everything. They all have a great time, they all have a great laugh and they all bond. Well, they can't leave that at the door when they come and referee a football match. You know, when you're talking about people like Chris Kavner, you mentioned that the VAR was, was a worse performance than the on-field referee in Tintini and I can't disagree with that. But no one can tell me, no one can convince me that that isn't partly affected by Kavner's weakness and uh, resistance to overcome his loyalty to a fellow referee on the pitch and question him openly. There's, he's got skin in the game, he's backing the guy on the pitch and instead of actually backing the game. But but in that instance, Joe, I'll stay with you for a minute. Therefore then, he refers to Robertson 
incidents. And that's where the Robertson incident's linked. Like, it's easy for me that this is where this is difficult because we can have a, a long chat around clear and obvious and what the referee can and can't see and what he can or can't perceive. And so, therefore, what becomes a clear and obvious error. But I don't see how one of those instances where he's given a yellow card in the first place is any more clear or obvious than the other. And that's a, he is prepared to correct him there. I wonder if that's because he didn't correct him earlier on. And in hindsight, he sat there, he's sitting there thinking that that, that came on probably was a red card. For all I know, I don't know, you know, within Stockley Park, does he have access to his phone? Does he look at his phone at half time? Or that, do they have a chat at half time? We don't know. The, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe other people do, but I don't know the answer to this. But, the, you know, it, does that f- become part of this? That's what I find really difficult. I don't know quite why. Why is one a clear and obvious error when the other one isn't? For me, I feel as though that's very much the wrong way around. I'm relaxed about Robertson's red card in one sense, but I do feel like that is the other way around in this one. You're right, but I do think that we don't. You're right in what you're saying there. That yes, that happened, but also that we don't know what access he has to technology, whether he's getting prompted, whether. Or he just has a half-time chat and they say he wasn't sure about that came on. You know. Yeah. I, I I agree with that. I think that. Again, you know, you could you could take the side of well, there's a loyalty to the to the man in the middle, and because he's he's thinking, well, I've stitched them up earlier on, um, I'm not going to do it again. Perhaps you know what I mean. But then that's inconsistent within the game. Never mind broadly over the set of fixtures. Um, but I also think that there's because there's no accountability. That is what promotes the level of arrogance within the organisation. You know, there is there is a level of arrogance that is disproportionate to the ability on the pitch that is demonstrated by these um, these officials, and that comes from the fact that they know that they will not be challenged and that they can come up with whatever ludicrous excuse. And we've seen it so many times where controversial decisions have been given over the years, and all of a sudden someone's briefing some random rule or some random random interpretation of a rule. We see it yesterday with the idea that, that Jota stopped. He didn't stop. But all of a sudden, Peter Walton, you know, an ex-referee in the media, is saying he did stop as well. I'm, I'm sorry, if any, I defy anyone, watch the footage, he doesn't stop. He literally just pulls his foot back to shoot. It doesn't matter whether he did or didn't Does, stop. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, if he did stop, is he? How you take a shot if you don't, if you don't stop? And like, if you get to choose point. to stop. You get to choose to stop exactly. if you're a football yeah. player. Just because you stop doesn't mean you should be taken clear out by two players. You stop when you change direction as well. There's, like, there's Lionel Messi, when every time he stops and turns and goes to the way, if he gets fouled, is it not a foul now? <laughs> what are we talking about? I mean, it's, it's just nonsense. I've never played though, isn't it? At that yeah. level. Simple, it's, it's, it comes down to simply rules that don't translate to something actions on the pitch. So I don't think it is about them whether or not they played at that level. I actually don't think, I, Mike, I don't think it helps when the manager so says that in one sense. But I think that what then happens is I think it's more they're trying to actually reinterpret the rules on the fly when they're put under pressure without speaking publicly on the record. All this stuff that's done through briefings and little words here and there. And I don't think it helps to say, oh, well, you haven't played the game at that level. I don't. In that, well, what that means then is we're just going to drive ourselves mad and never find referees. But for me, Mike, you know, the point about this is you know nine times out of ten a referee just gives that as a penalty at it's the time anyway yeah but I mean it's the first thing that Klopp goes to and everyone will go to and say in terms of you're not played at this level he probably just means that if it, you you just can't expect that the rule means well you, you stopped whatever yeah. rule that is like you, you just got to take the common sense up, up angle of it like what 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 is that and okay not playing at that level it, you can happen that can happen in the park you play footy in the park or five side, and you go to your mates, and you stop there. You just go, what are you talking about? Exactly. You just took me out. 
So, so that, that's that's probably why people get frustrated with it, and probably why you do have the snobbery around. Maybe a bit of the saying, "Well, you you haven't played at this level, or whatever." It's just you haven't. It's probably never happened, is what they're trying to say to you. It, that's never happened to you in a football pitch. It doesn't matter if it's in like in the realms of Liverpool. Um, or, or, or bloody whoever you play for five or you, you, you've got to have had something like that experienced it and then gone well that's wrong then but it's like it's you said before about the consistency in the in, in, in the game you can't Chris Kavanagh can't be sitting there saying to himself well I don't think that Kane's a red card you know and then almost in, like with fourth five minutes the other side of it in the next half well yeah we'll have a look at that again you, sure, surely you like even though the Kane thing's in the past, he must be thinking, I can't then go and say, look at that again. Because they were both given his yellows at, at, at the start, weren't they? And then turned over again. So it's like, uh, where, where, does, where does it sit in the consistency going in your job? Right, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this in the first half, so why, why should I not do this now in the second half and just leave that as a yellow? You can't give one with, with the one that before that hasn't been given. If you, you, we're all all right with the, the Robertson red card if, Kane, if Kane's gone. Because you go, yeah, fair enough, it could have been red. And look, Kane got done for something similar. But you, you can't then go, no, that was a yellow and that's a red. I think that's where Klopp is just going, look. It's just... It's a frustration, isn't it? And he, he probably, as you said, you know, he's not going to come out and go, oh, it sounds... He probably, he's just frustrated and he's gone, well, we need people at the level and stuff. And all that's what he's saying. He's just frustrated, isn't he? I thought he spoke quite well as well on the whole post-match. Oh, he's brilliant. Um, I thought for that long, long one, I thought it was really interesting brilliant. and it was honest and refreshing. And that's one thing we've been saying about Klopp for the last couple of weeks now with everything he's been saying is that he, he actually just sort of spoke what he really felt in the moment. I thought it was quite refreshing to hear. It sort of reflected what we felt. You could see him going, well, what's his problem with me? You know, Klopp took that really personally, didn't he? Like, what have I done wrong? Um, and I think, like, I know this gets said so many times, but, like, we've got to remember that it's all subjective. So, like, this is the thing. Like, it's two human beings, and, like, one has one view and one has another. So, like, who's right? And it's, like, sometimes I feel like with the referee, they feel, they feel pressured by... VAR to go and like take the VAR decision but then in this instance it was just like the VAR wasn't even making the calls I mean if I'm right with the Jota one with the pen he didn't look he didn't send him to the telly for that one either no, did no, he no, not at all. so that's another thing like why if they were unsure what I've seen in the last few games is when they have been unsure as much as it's disrupted it and again this is the thing with VAR we, we've we've slagged it off I suppose by going oh we're sending them to the telly every two seconds but at least you know you probably come to a bit more of a clearer decision is, I don't clear, know. is that where the clear and obvious thing is uh, obfuscating but that's what I'm saying everyone. what is clear and obvious and this is why it's no longer an excuse for me it's like I feel like it's just a thing like I, with, with the Jota saying oh he stopped why didn't he just come out and say like it'd be better to just say listen I mean, that's just him saying I made a mistake and I didn't see it do you know what I mean that's all that is not he stopped that's a load of rubbish we all know it's a load of rubbish and, the, and so the, does he but I think that the problem with the I made a mistake thing Lizzie is now that's gone for them because of the because of the AR because, because, because it could they've be got AR yeah. to eradicate mistakes and that that's why I think this has all become it, be, it gets messier and messier <coughs> this and then you start do start to have chat around clear and obvious and that's why again I can there's certain times where I can find a little bit of sympathy for them in a number of ways but then that's when you get this really weird set of almost retrospective briefing that appears <clears> to now sort of come out which is which is you know in this one for instance you've got 
basically Peter Walton writing all sorts of shite in the Times, uh, which is that basically what saved the England striker is that Robertson's foot was oh not planted. God. So what saved the England striker is the idea... Well, what saves Robertson from a broken exactly, leg? Exactly, that yeah. saves him from a broken leg. And then the idea, referees do study players and formations ahead of the game. They're, they're aware certain players need to be dealt with proactively. Kane does not fall into this category, Stu. There's this idea that this is going to make... I don't know who this is for. I mean, you know, this sort of briefing is this for the, 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 the average general fan rather than active sort of supporters within there um you know the the main reason the athletic understands the main reason they are not punishing came more was that robertson was jumping when fouled um it, you know all of this the more words that appear the more you end up just going my god will you fucking people please stop trying to act as though there's some sort of rationale or justification for this but they've got to come up with something because there's a video assistant referee now rather than just going well the referee had a bit of a bad one to be honest with you yeah the more they justify it or try to justify it um you know the more that they you know they dig themselves a hole i just think that what you're saying there you know we it's no surprise to us we've all thought it that referees have prejudice against certain players and bias towards certain others we've all thought it for a long time we've benefited it benefited from it at certain times and when you benefit from it you're less likely aren't you to, to to make a fuss about it but i think ultimately they know that their judgment is not fit for purpose around consistency and the reason we know that they know this about themselves is the way in which they have tried to protect the opaqueness of their process they're not transparent so for me the obvious thing to do neil talk said before about um how we don't know what's happening in the var referees uh, ear or you know if he's got his phone or whatever he should be he there should be a camera on him and whenever he speaks to the referee that should be in the corner of our screen and we should be able Mike to hear up. it mic the referee up mic the var up absolutely but they will not do it in football because the pgm pgmol will not go along with it they are not they are an organization that is unfit for purpose they are not being um held to account and nobody is actually taking a look at this and thinking well the detriments that it's having on the game put the fella on screen mic them up we can have the can hear the conversation but there's a perfect example of why they won't and it's john moss from a, from a couple of years ago when we i think we played was it tottenham again and um and he, he gives a penalty against liverpool oh, the Kane one. and he, yeah. he goes to the the assistant refer, referee on the lines and he, and he says to him you know um i i, I didn't see it i didn't see yeah, it yeah. i need to know did you know and the line says to him i don't know i don't know if it, and he just goes f it i'm giving it and he gives the penalty. Oh, it might be the the, the Lamella yeah, he, one. No, he gave the yeah he gave the penalty on vibes. It was it was insane. Yeah. They, it was must have been mortifying for the PGMOL to to actually have that broadcast to have that picked up. John Moss. I mean, to be fair, I've thought he's an absolute bumbling idiot for a long, long time. Anyway, actually, and I give him more credit now for for seeing that for actually being a bit bit sharper. But I I just think it's a perfect illustration now of the Machiavellian nature that this is being kept opaque. <laughs> Do you think I'll come back to you one more time and then we'll move on and talk about the football? Do you think they're just shite? Because this is my my one of my sort of uh, like I think Tierney 
you know, he just may not be very good. And in the, in the, in the, you know, I think that they've all got different strengths and weaknesses. I think some of them do big decisions better than others. I think some of them get smaller decisions wrong more consistently. I think some of them are bad, bad when there's time wasting going on. I think some of them get gamesmanship. Some of them don't. They've all got, you know, if you did the top Trumps cards in amongst them all. I think Tierney might be shite, and he's had three big matches of us this season. He got the game against City, where he genuinely, if we're all honest about it, around this table should send, send Milner off. Yeah. Um, he gets the derby, where he picks up two yellow cards for diving, to be fair, on the blues. So this isn't the idea, I think, that he hates Liverpool. Yeah. He gives two yellow... But then the third one, he books Robertson when the lad dives in front of him as well. Uh, there's another couple of mad bookings that Liverpool get in that game as well, to be fair. Um, and then there's this one. I just think he's crap. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, this, this idea, you know, that I'm saying... Here about this, um, like they're not a shadowy cabal working no, against Liverpool's interests. They're doing it, they're, it, it is and it isn't. It, it is because not because it's like pure evil entity against Liverpool, it is not because it's protectionist, that, that it's a self preservation here, you know. So, I mean, they are looking after each other. And he is, it, it was a terrible performance amongst uh, a number of terrible performances that I've seen him do and other referees. And we could, we could name them, shame them, but ultimately. Um, you know this this idea of keeping it opaque, having the the lack of transparency, is not because of some you know evil grand plan. It's to do with the fact they're trying to protect and hide the fact that they're not consistent and they they they're really struggling to find any kind of uh, objectivity in these close calls. Okay, um, I don't know what changes. Uh, the retrospective language from people like Walton does not help but anyway we'll move ourselves along uh, it may be that something does change somewhere along the lines though Chira was interesting on match of the day uh, Tottenham 2 Liverpool 2 then the shape of the game obviously it's impacted it would be different if Harry Kane had got himself sent off uh, when Tottenham had just gone 1-0 up but they have a very clear uh, counter attack game plan Mike it reminded me a lot of Atletico away to be honest with you the Atletico away were they had the policy of look to nick it back around our own box from Liverpool and then just send bombs and see what happens next and look to run channels look to shift a little bit the other thing that they had that Atletico Madrid didn't have yesterday Tottenham was the fact that Liverpool's whole midfield was yeah, very disrupted and the, Tyler Morton was six once the, once the team sheep drops the, the plan becomes even more entrenched for Tottenham doesn't it they, they know then that they, they've got that sort of team that really hasn't played in a, in a, in a, in a game together so they'll, they'll try and pinpoint that and I you know, at points yesterday, Milner and Kate were all right, and we were decent enough. But at points as well, they were also really, really part of helping their plan really, really advance. The goal comes from a similar one that they should score a couple of minutes before, same move basically. And we 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 struggle to get to grips with it. But having said that, we don't we don't feel like we're out the game. It's we know we know what we're facing there, and we know we're missing one of the best midfielders in the world. You would stop them counter attacks just without even thinking about it. You know, he's, he's nicknamed the lighthouse for a reason, isn't he? And by by uh, Peplins, as you know, he's, he's he's all he's all there to be seen by everyone on the team. Sweeps everything up, and and is is generally great at that. You're not going to have him for every single game we play. So, you know, you've got to cop for that sometimes, and we do. We, we we try and make the best of it, but it's it's Tottenham's main way into the game, isn't it? Let's be honest, and and they have took it there, and <coughs> it was. Um, Look, Tyler Morton's is obviously going to be a, a footballer at, at a high level. He's got he's got a lot to 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 recommend him going forwards. His away performance in Milan was was up there. It was really really good. But this is this is a different speed probably that he's, yeah. he's ever been used to. Really, um, the game the game was sort of at his level, and, and he'll, he'll learn a lot from that the weekend. Without saying he was awful, he was he, you know he was having to he's having to sort of swim faster than he ever has done sort well, of thing and. 
you know that's that's one that's one thing that the whole weekend the whole weekend's performance for me was we needed to we needed to get on that really I'm you know you are against 11 players who were entitled to play and exploit the what what they want to do so we we got asked like we, it happened to us while we managed to get back into it and, and sort of get through it sort of thing it didn't absolutely wash us away it's the difficult thing for morton lizzie watching the game and then watching it in hindsight is the thing which where i think he he, he struggles the most is the thing he can't fix overnight and that's the physicality i think that they get an awareness relatively early where he is physically it doesn't help he gets a yellow card uh the yellow card he gets is a difficult one to swallow be given the fact that kane's just been booked for his tackle about five minutes before and you're like they cannot have those two things cannot have the same punishment does come into my mind mm-hmm. it's mad that mm-hmm. those two things have the same punishment but they do but i think that then sort of not means that he can't even if he wants to sort of go into the red, take a couple of risks, he's got to stop doing that, Morton. And I think that all of that just leaves him just a bit at sea, to be honest with you. And he's not helped with bits and pieces of what's going on around him. Yeah, I agree. And I think probably all before it, um, I mean, you could probably have guessed that he would have picked up a yellow at some point. Do you know what of I course. mean? In that position and at his age and his stature. Um, I suppose sort of how early on he gets it probably really doesn't help. And there was a moment where the ball sort of like he, he's challenging for the ball doesn't he goes to head and he just completely misses it um and he was listen it, it's all right to say he was a bit out of his death that doesn't mean like he's a terrible player that doesn't mean the lad's not got potential but this was just a bit too much and i think like you said there i think there was a played a certain way anyway but also like let's say he was alongside I don't know, a Henderson or Henderson Thiago. How much difference? So, I mean, I mean, I absolutely take the point on Fabinho, but I think I do think it's a, a lot more than Fabinho because I think Henderson and Thiago do a lot as well in terms of like I think what Thiago does brilliantly, sort of underrated, is really taking the sting out of things as well, sort of like touch go, um, and he it was just completely and utterly unbalanced and you know that's not his fault that's not he was put in he was probably the best person to play that position because I'm not being funny I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd want to see Milner playing in the six he's probably the only person that could um and listen it, it was frustrating to see how much went through them um but if I'm being honest I really don't know how much more it could have been helped bar maybe obviously like I say Milner and Keita giving away a good few um balls especially Keita for for one of the goals as well Go on. I think I think if you asked, I think if you asked the manager, uh, you know, he often talks doesn't he, about protection uh, when we're building attacks, may, you know, maintaining that protection behind. And I, I think you know, in hindsight, he'd probably look at it uh, when rewatching the game and thinking that Tyler Morton and the defence actually didn't have enough protection from the other two midfielders. Yeah. And it's I actually think the manager could have could have helped them out. Um, by making a tactical tweak, you know we've we've gone we've maintained the idea of a single pivot in the same way that Fabinho is all like those, and you know that's a lot on Tyler Morton. That's a hell of a lot, and I did feel that when you look at their counter attacks, each time both Kaiser and Milner were caught too high up the field, um, and you know Tyler Morton and our our uh, back two our centre halves, you know they were exposed. I heard a lot of talk actually above. Um, on Five Live last night around um, the difference without Van Dyke 
and live, you know this happened because of I think if, whether Van Dijk had been there or not I think the same st- stuff would have happened because uh, he would yeah. have been exposed in the same way um, that, that Canate who I thought was excellent by yeah. the way his best game for Liverpool him and Matip were ex- exposed time and time again because of um, the lack of protection from that midfield so I think I think if we'd have gone to a double pivot maybe if he'd have put Milner um, alongside Morton even at Oxlade-Chamberlain for Cater though like I think <coughs> if you if you know you're playing with Morton as your six okay Milner we know he's experienced pro we always say you know you're definitely going to get it a good 60 out of him but Oxley Chamberlain played Thursday didn't he if I'm right um now whether that's a fitness thing I don't know I'm not the doctor I'm not in the room however for me Oxley Chamberlain provides a lot more legs and he's much better defensively like you know we know we know he's played like wing back and stuff for Arsenal before and sort of becomes the you, you can argue in terms of like talent or almost like the sort of natural fifth for when Henderson's not there that's also right side of midfield player which by the way he's done quite well the last few weeks not saying it would have changed anything but again that's another thing with the players he's got available could he have not offered a bit more protection from the start by putting a Chamberlain in there instead as well I mean it's all if button maybes isn't it it's if button maybe Stu but I think first and foremost the manager's plan for this season is He's not taking any backward steps. Indeed, his solution to what was actually happening to Morton wasn't to get Milner and Keita closer, I thought, second half. It was actually, well, until he makes the sub, it was actually to get the centre-halves to be even more aggressive and make sure mm. they were winning that first ball ahead of Morton, mm-hmm. um, at times coming all the way with the two centre-forwards. He's very much always going to want Liverpool to take a forward step and look to progress it better, where I think he will be frustrated. But again, not, it's not like they've got a lot of football in the legs, either of them. It's where Milner and Keita were losing it the nature of how they were losing it Liverpool losing it in ways just sort of around that 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 patch 30 yards from from the Tottenham goal and then finding themselves really vulnerable I think that'll drive them mad I think the other thing and again this is me just talking and it's an important thing this because it's always the manager that's tested but I given the fact that they sort of start to miss Morton out with the ball they, they, they stop passing to him uh, they start to just sort of p- p- pass around him a little bit and I don't know if that would have helped him or not because it might be that the passing him, him getting his foot on the ball because we know he can pass the ball might actually have built his confidence up but I'm just sort of watching I think and there's no reason again but other than the way the manager thinks which is he structures all their approaches why you couldn't just put Joe Gomez at six if you're going to start missing if you're going to start missing the lad out with the ball at his feet particularly anyway then all you look at it's not the same as necessarily having a third centre half but the idea of someone then who's going to be able to win the ball a little bit better and I was just sort of watching it thinking but this is my thing my, the point I'm sort of driving at here is that the manager you've got to you've got to dance with the one who brought you and the way the manager structures his thinking is certain things he's not going to do he's not going to play Joe Gomez in the six he's not that manager he's not going to go to a back That's three what Mike was saying yesterday yeah, he doesn't just doesn't change his foot he's 4-3-3 no, three, three, flat 4 but, three, but, but he's, you know he's not going to and this is this is the nature of the manager that he's choosing to be like this is his decision making frameworks I think and I think at times it can be difficult for us to sort of get on board with that but part of how he gets us to where he gets us in the first place is that he doesn't he doesn't deviate from I've made these decisions this is the framework I operate in so it's Morton or playing Milner mm. I'll go with Morton and I'll put Milner there it's Milner or X it's Keiter or Chamberlain he doesn't from no, nowhere go I'll throw a bit of a mad one in he is not Benitez and that's sort of his choice and that's his long term choice not his short term choice yeah we've seen we've seen in the, the, the modern game the last five five to ten years maybe that's actually you know the the rise of these um, of the of the greatest managers in the world now there's somewhat difference so you mentioned Rafa before we could throw Mourinho we throw Ferguson uh, and where these guys I think the longer that like a Klopp or a Guardiola is in post the longer they're in post the less likely they are, they are to ever tinker with the system you know they are they're zealots they are the best at what they 
do partly because they are zealots because they are they are ideologues because they are so extreme in their views and as you say they're not game by game problem no, solvers I was looking at that game going where's the compromise here you know we're exposed because of the lack of players that we've got um, and, the, and the, we're still playing the same system but there's there's absolutely so the fullbacks were as high as ever if not higher Okay, and they were both brilliant going forward, but that was also increasing the lack of protection for the two centre halves. So at some, you know, as much as he was telling the centre halves to go higher as well and nick the ball in front, at some point when you're playing against a player like Son with that level of pace and ability to carry the ball, who has been instructed to tactically expose you in exactly this, the, the the way that you're afraid of, you know. I would compromise. I'm a weaker man than Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> Let's be clear. There's a reason why he's in that chair and I'm in this one. Although it's a very lovely chair at Tours Towers. Um, but, you know, fair play to him. I wouldn't have made that move. I look at it and I'm uncomfortable with it. And I think something had to give. Something had to be a compromise made. But you know what? We've not lost the game. And you could argue that maybe we've not won the game because of decisions out of our hands. Um, in the same way, Mike that I think feeds through to his players. So th- this this idea that you do your thing at all times and you don't and if things aren't going well, what we don't do is we don't change our thing. We do our thing harder. And I think that you see that with the the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper's one massive mistake away from being man of the match. Not just man of the match, but putting in the sort of goalkeeping performance that you go home if you've been to the match and you tell everyone about afterwards and say you won't believe what he did here, you won't believe what he did there. He's one mistake away from that, but that's the nature of the tightrope that he walks. Always with Alison Becker, always. I mean, the, people probably won't really talk about it much, the Newcastle game, because it's a comfortable win, but he makes a save at 2-1, which is a, a, a quite frankly, stupid save. That is strong arm keeps it out, keeps it out, it keeps it. It, it should go, it should really go to all, or could go to all with a lesser goalie. We go up the other end and make it three one later on, and it's, and it's done. Uh, he, he does things like that so often for Liverpool. The fact that they're so rare, these mistakes that you, when, when they happen, you're like, well, wow. But they are huge. But when they yeah. do happen, the, oh, part yeah. the problem with them is that they're massive, aren't they? They yeah, look yeah. massive. They look, and and if you, if you, if that was your first game, you're watching as a as like, oh, what's that? He's crap him. He's really good at doing some things, but he'll just throw one in like that. And you, you the no context of it, it does look really big. The Leicester one. It, it, the last one was first season looks massive and he gets all the hoo-ha in the media about it and he just goes I'll just never do it again I just won't do that again I won't be caught doing it again sort of thing and I think he backs himself and you've got to back yourself if you're going to have a howl like that now and again to be able to just go well that's that's that now can't fix that it's done I'll, the, the way I'll fix that is just not do that again and he backs himself and his team will back himself and his, and his manager will and a part of why we probably are the way we are in terms of Klopp not really changing things and like maybe going to a three at the back or whatever five at the back is because he just knows it's a it's a, it's a functional machine. You know that we we go through all it's well documented and I feel like I, I bore myself talking about last season because we all know what happened. But he eventually just goes, you know what? I'll just play centre half, centre half, midfield, midfield, and it worked itself out. No matter what the level of centre half we had there. So he probably feels validated in terms of just going, well, we'll just get through here in midfield. And, and, and Stu says, you know, decisions go our way. We probably win the game there. And you're thinking, how, how, how have we won that with the midfield we've put out? But with, with the goalie, it's like he's got the confidence to be able to make that mistake, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. That completely does. It's, it's, so. I know I can make this mistake and be absolutely fine because my manager trusts me and all my players trust me. And next week, he'll probably go and make a world against Leeds and we'll go, yeah, that's our goalie. And we want him for the next five, six years, which luckily we are going to be able to because he's signed the deal. 
you can't get one without the other with him. I think, Lizzie, I think you've got to, you know, if the, when he was coming for that one, I just presumed he was going to sweep it away. I was actually literally having the thought process of it, Liverpool have tweaked this. He's been unbelievably aggressive. He's just coming for everything and he's going to get everything. Oh, fuck, he hasn't. And that was <laughs> that was what was sort of going on in my head was was that. And, and you know, I think it was almost, almost at that point, he's done about three of them and it was almost <laughs> like it was just too easy for him at this point. You know, in that really strange way, he's, maybe he's almost thinking, where is, he, where is he putting it as much as anything yeah. else? That, you know, that's, that's the level of him. You obviously don't want him to make the mistake, you really don't, but you can't have one without the other. No, you can't. And when he come out for it, I didn't feel like it. I, I didn't go, oh shit, because of the previous view. And almost like if he, again, if, you, if you're doing sort of retrospectively, if, you, if he wasn't to come out, if he wasn't to come out of his box like that, you know, and he stays, but then, you know, there's not enough chance for the centre-halves and that to get back, then it still could have ended up in a goal and people are calling for him. Why didn't he come out and da 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 He's just... I don't think we can overanalyze. I think he's just unlucky. I think he's really unlucky. And also, it's not as if he's up against like some championship forward. Do you know what I mean? It's Young Minson. He's brilliant. He's absolutely excellent. And he does well with it as well. And I think what like we got away with a lot. And I think just just to touch on what I think Liverpool got away with a lot is is. I mean, obviously that save that which I, I actually didn't clock on till till, yeah. till quite late on the Delhi Alley one yes. was a save. However, Liverpool were extremely lucky yesterday that almost Tottenham weren't as good as say I don't know the likes of City and Chelsea because a lot of those chances was being put in the back of the net. And I think that's also something that not a lot of people are talking about is, you know, they should have been 3-0 three, three up in the first half. Obviously, our holy goalie comes to the rescue yet again. And as soon as sort of um one or two of those chances when I miss I, I, I straight away said this is going to be an Allison game this it, it's got to be because he's, he's your last line of defence and again Klopp in that sort of post-match interview alludes to obviously this is this is what you get when you have an offensive goalkeeper this is how we want him to play and he was very he was very clear in what he said and I don't think any of us can blame him Um, yeah it it was it was a howler, but because of everything else he'd done do you know what I mean especially like I say that Deli Ali one in the first half you know, it, it just is what it is with Alisson a little bit. With the with the exception of, of the of the aberration of Son's goal, there's an argument to say it's a single greatest performance for Liverpool. If you look at if you I, I know that seems a bit of a mad shout in a random game it's finished two all, but actually, you know, we're used to him making to getting us out of jail once or twice in a game. That can often happen, you it's know. Three or four times. Uh, I suppose five or six. Yeah. On, honest, I mean, the, the, and and the the level that he had to go to for those five or six. I mean, it was it was incredible, and they were different types. They were unbelievable shots. The smothering, was, on yeah, the smothering. On the floor yeah. I mean, it was it was one of the greatest all round goalkeeping performances I've seen, save for that aberration. Yeah, I know what you mean. There, there was that, but one of the things I think I think on a couple of occasions there was stuff that was put being pulled back for offside, where he does brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Where he, does, of, uh, where he does brilliantly, but he'd have been pulled back for offside. That and, was and well, but I think what I think that if there's, this is the area where Liverpool missed, I thought missed Van Dijk more than anything else was that Van Dijk has that aura of calm to everyone else to go. That would have been offside. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. We just yeah, crack yeah. back on. Mm -hmm. And I think Liverpool did miss that a little bit because everything got a bit more frantic. Although both centre halves got a bit more frantic and that so I like you know I'd rather have had Fabinho available than, than Van Dijk I'd rather in hindsight rather have had Henderson available than Van Dijk I possibly would even rather have had Thiago available than Van Dijk in hindsight but the one thing that 
Van Dyke does is he gives that air of calm after those where he gets to say that one wouldn't account boys we just all crack on and, and, and we just reset and I do think we all got it and I think even in the way in which like the way in which you're watching the game we're all watching the game at that point is they could have had this many whereas yeah. as I say repeatedly you look at the replay and go he's just off yeah he's just off uh, it will be given but it's easy for us to say that and we get replays and they don't just quick Stu I think the full backs both are unplayable in different ways over the course of the game Robertson's movement I think is under, I think because everyone because he runs loads and works hard and is fast people are underestimating how smart this movement is at times it's so clever repeatedly all the time and obviously Arnold's quality is just off the scale yeah I, mean, I, th- I think uh, they're both incredibly intelligent they're both real students of the game and they've been well schooled by the, by the manager they completely understand uh, what is asked of them and they're willing to take the insane risks that Jürgen wants them to do uh, and, and deliver on that um, you know and the, the the quality from Trent now and we've seen more and more with his left foot as well and I mean it's just it's just with ease, isn't it? Mm. It's just nonchalance. Um, yeah, in, you know, in, incredibly impressive performances from the pair of them. It was really interesting to see that the game was almost bookend by uh, an Andy Robertson header on goal from a Trent cross. You know, he had the one right at the beginning and then he gets the goal uh, at the end. And I, I think that might become more and more of a feature. That that does that seems like too much of a coincidence t- to me, really. I think Robbo's probably saying to Trent, um, you know what? I'm free all the time, you know. You might want to look for me. You pick me out. I'm free every week. Switch, yeah. yeah. Uh, Trent is Mike. For me, he's almost. I mean, he's he is redefining the position. Obviously, I don't think he's redefined it because no one else can do it. Uh, all the players have redefined it by being more direct or something like that. But no one else can do what he's doing. It's remarkable what he's doing. And I thought he was Liverpool's best player by a distance. So I, I said yeah last night. And it sometimes can be a little bit simplistic, can't it? If like if he was Brazilian, would he get more credit? Because you remember Danny Alves and all the credit he got for redefining the position. Well, he, he Trent Alexander Arnold picking it up and taking it another fifty yards on from what redefining actually means. He's just going, well, you you reckon this is redefining? And have a look at this. Like I'm playing the the, the chat around moving into midfield's mad, isn't it? Because he literally stands out in midfield half the time. Yeah, like he's literally putting De Bruyne numbers up and and he, he probably even surpassing this season really. Not just because the Bruyne's not played, but if you look at the ninety minutes per per whatever, I bet you he's right, right close. He's he's tremendous to be honest, and the fact that we're producing players like that with the ability of of, of Trent, it's it's almost unfair on Andy Robertson that we've got an even better fullback on the other <laughs> side because they were both they were both for me both incredible. You know the ball the the Robertson ball for the goal, which is moving to get there and anticipate the the thing is is is, is different, but the ball is just. You, you, you are actually just going to score off this Jota because if you don't, it's what are you doing? Yeah. It's right on, it's right on, it's right on the spot, and that's we've got it from both sides. And literally, whether he's playing right back or not, the, the conversation is always around his defensive ability, isn't it? Which is probably a boring conversation to be having because it it, it feels like it's people's only way of criticizing him, so therefore they must criticize his defending. But when you look at it. His actual numbers and, and and interceptions and and actual defensive actions on the pitch when you're watching them, the, the the right up there is the top level right back as well as everything else you get with Trent. He's, he's just he runs games and no one really does that from the position he plays. Manager's first sub, uh, Lizzie's quite interesting. I think he it's really strange in that Liverpool put another attacker on the pitch. They take off the weakest link in the half of the midfield again without being too harsh on the lad. But it felt as though they actually became less dangerous. Uh, you'd have thought it'd be the opposite. Do you think he was just trying to get Salah going? 
first and foremost because Salah wasn't ve- well, yeah Salah wasn't very involved at all yeah um, so f- I mean I- I'd done the team talk on Friday and, and to be honest even when I heard about the, the, the midfield maybe being less strong I, I would have thought he would have started Bobby with this game in terms of like what Bobby does to help out a bit with dropping a bit deeper helping out with the midfield so I thought at some point he would come on but I did not think it would be for more and um <laughs> Yeah, maybe to get Salah going. I mean, at the end of the day, if if you're any team on this planet, what are you going to do? You're going to make sure you're, you're covering that right-hand side with, with Trent and Salah, aren't you? You're going to try and just smother them. Um, and I, I, I was surprised in that I thought it would leave us a lot more open, which it didn't actually seem to be the case really like you say I suppose it was the weak link in Morton um, but they just hold those two midfield two back I think the, the fullbacks do go forward Robertson yeah. scores after that point but yeah. a little bit less advanced I felt like we just sort of went we'll attack with those four for yeah. a bit and these six can just look after this for a bit and I yeah. thought we were trying to take the sting out the game a tiny yeah. bit and also probably playing a bit of a different system as well is a bit strange for them like I say yeah. it's usually one for one it's usually Joseph yeah. for Firmino or Joseph for, for Matnik or Bobby for, it, it, it's different and I think when your back's up against the wall a little bit trying to set down into something like that as well is probably quite difficult for them. Um, he done all right when he he come on for me now. I don't think he absolutely set the world's light. I mean, when you look at the sort of we're talking about the change of bloody shape, but like when Tim McCass and that come on, then it, it really did change as to yeah. who was playing where. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, you, you're probably right. But um, it wasn't it wasn't Salah's it wasn't Salah's best game by by a long stretch. They find themselves three behind City, but City did lose their steel. We'll point that out. The manager was at pains afterwards to say, you know, you've got to be happy with it. You've got to be all right with a draw at Tottenham. In the flip side of that, though, is they have got to make sure that they do keep the pressure up. They've probably allowed themselves their only possible slip now until all the way possibly till the end of January, to be quite honest with you. You know, this is this is the this is the, the business end of the season. That might sound like a bit of a funny thing to say, given the fact that we're not even at the halfway point, but City are, are putting the hammer down. They've not had remarkably tricky opponents, but they're still going and getting the results. And and in, we've got to keep them honest in there all the way through. If we're going to have any chance, we've got to make sure that they know the scoreboard pressure as much as we do. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, actually. I think, um, I think this time of year, particularly this season, there is a danger that this could be where the damage is done and, and where the league not could be decided, but, you know, it could be a long way back, you know, if if, if, if we're not at our best. And I think Manchester City are doing what Manchester City do. They are, when they get into this kind of groove, they apply such mental pressure by just the sheer volume of goals that they're scoring against teams. But the thing is, though, they're still Manchester City. They still do have flaws, and you know they they could hit a wall one week just out of the blue and get beat one 0 You know it, it that's the strange happen. thing about them. Yeah, it can happen, but if uh, if that doesn't happen, you know, uh, and they continue to to absolutely wallop teams whilst Liverpool are struggling with. I mean, we do have a depleted squad in comparison. We've seen to have been hit with COVID more, but we also have less numbers to start with than Manchester City. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do think that, you know, without a little bit of luck, like we saw yesterday, things could uh, be in danger of slipping away. So we've got to make sure now that we recompose ourselves, uh, strengthen up and, and, and make sure we take uh, take care of business on Boxing Day. That point is really important in that, like, I don't mean, God, that sounds like a really obvious point to make, but in that you're three points behind and not four. It's a one game swing. Do you know what I mean? And I think, like, you know, you, if, if you're going to just com- be completely obvious about it that's your game against them do you know what I mean it's almost like still in your hands a little bit whereas if you go to four points all of a sudden it's a bit it's a little bit more on on the edge and I think like what worries me 
going ahead in terms of I'm not saying like what worries me is that I mean let's let's say these games all still do go ahead um you know from Wednesday onwards is is that straight from uh, that straight red from Andy Robertson now means he's out for Leeds at home which I'd have been fine with I would have been fine with with Timacast playing that Leicester away probably would have been all right with Timacast but it's at Chelsea away for me um I think that will also be maybe something I'm not saying that I don't have obviously we'll have other players back and stuff like like that by then but you know we've just had a big conversation there about how important our fullbacks are and I think to have Andy Robertson missing against again if it goes ahead again I mean we don't know what what Chelsea Chelsea might then pick up a bit of form by then as well I think that could be a bit of a crucial point as well um Leicester home on Wednesday Mike um I, I don't think there's room in the calendar to kick this back I'll be very surprised if it doesn't get played there's precedence for this pre-covid we played Villa with kids the club world cup post-covid Villa played us with kids uh in the FA cup I think that the the, the powers that be will have the attitude of can you get any 11 wearing your shirt on the pitch if you can play the game what are you expecting within the, in that context from a Liverpool point of view because I actually think he might go a little bit stronger than people might anticipate in that I think he could probably do with getting some time on the pitch for Firmino and Gomez at the very least from the start yeah he's, he's got to have the he's got to have Firmino and Gomez in the 11 um, you would say now with the Robertson red cards because it it, it's competition specific isn't it I think so he'll probably play left back unless he wants to give Timmy Cass minutes with burden in mind we're not playing until the Sunday anyway so it might be okay but you generally imagine now and we, and we still don't know where we are with AFCON properly do we um, so he'll probably be wanting to get some sort of minutes in Minamino's legs again uh, at the Leicester game it, it has to go ahead really there's, there's literally no point in the competition if you're trying to postpone it and push it back it needs to happen and he probably needs to take the semi-finals and make them one leg again and just be a bit sensible around that going going forward with, with that competition to be honest you're looking at um, will he throw Morton in again try and you know, get a bit bit more I think he will I think he's, he's got to hasn't he really to to, to say to him look that the weekend was the weekend and there we go you know you're going to play against Leicester now get a couple more minutes back in your legs get a bit of a positive uh, sort of muscle memory going forward again for next time we need you I think he, I think it's more than strength of character for the lads as well you know it'll do it's, it, it'll just do everyone the world good to give them minutes again plus we're probably not going to have Fabinho Thiago definitely not um, we have to see where Henderson is with his illness but I would imagine it's not going to be like a complete kids team you'll probably see Kate Gordon on the bench again I imagine or start or, or possibly start maybe yeah um, but yeah it's not going to be like the you, you, I'd be shocked if, if it was like Salamane jo, uh, Salamane Firmino up front I, I, do, I do expect Minamino I think I think it'll be for, I think it'll be Firmino, Minamino, and Gordon. Mm. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm which I'd be fine with. By the way, um, it, Minamino only needs minutes as much as Firmino, and Gordon's an exciting prospect, isn't he? And you would imagine. I, I don't know where Leicester are exactly, but they they're probably still up in the air in terms of injuries. Not just the COVID situation they've had; they've had injuries and illness as well. Um, so, I mean, what sort of eleven is, 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 are they going to have? I, I, Frankly, wouldn't be too worried about our eleven. I think we'll have a good enough eleven to go out there. And is it fit? He wasn't on the bench, so he's mm. the, he's the. I mean, from what what's been discussed, there is the only obvious 
you know, difference I'd bring to the table if he's fit. I'd like to see him in play. But other than that, I do. I think I, I think very much Firmino, Minamino, and, and and Gordon. And it'll be a youthful midfield. I think it'll be two two youth players and perhaps Chamberlain. But and probably a young yeah. centre half as well. Next because, to Gomez, I mean, yeah. naturally you would have done probably Gomez and Phillips, but obviously Phillips is out I'd as new with his cheek. I, I just don't think he's had enough minutes in his legs over the course of the season so far to for him not to play. I, I think you know another another even if he gets an hour. Under his belt. And also, we don't, we, we don't know oh, as well. No, like we, subs, yeah. we don't know exactly what date Van Dyke returned back is positive. So Van Dyke actually could be back for Boxing Day or the 28th for all mm. we know. Nicole so it's, not well it's more, yeah, oh. who plays at left back now? Because this is the thing for me. It's like we can say, oh, well, let's get some minutes in Simacas's legs. But then you've got that really big yeah. risk then of like he's our left back. Do you think would he do Gomez at left back? I we, don't think he would. I think he'd play him centre half. He needs to play centre half game. I think if Gomez gets played left back in um in, in this game, he'd be he'd be rightfully pissed yeah. off. Yeah, he's got I mean Robinson's got three three games off now, you know, he's yeah. which is probably about three days over the Christmas period, well, by the way. But um but he's got three games off, so I think, you know, giving him the start I think is fine the other thing they'll know before they kick off is whether or not they will be playing on the 28th it seems as though that's the round of fixtures that is for grabs in terms of being postponed yeah. they'll know that as well I'm expecting us to go through because I think that they'll play the game under any circumstances and Leicester aren't in a position I don't think to, to Leicester have cancelled a couple of days with COVID yeah. cases so I think Leicester might be in, 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 in not great shape I think they'll go through uh, but obviously we're all saying that with a lot of vagaries at the moment thank you very much indeed it's been the Anfield Wrap to Stu Wright to Lizzie Doyle to Mike Kearney and to Andy Heaton for flawless producing it's been a pleasure to be with you on this Monday. Uh, looking forward to Leicester, looking back over Tottenham. Huge frustration with the referee, but this is the way a season goes sometimes. The best thing to do is to bite down, go again, get results. We'll see you after Boxing Day.